Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. That was Stanton Terry Friedman in his first appearance on this show, October 19, 2008. Stan, a nuclear physicist, was the father of modern UFO studies, and his distinguished biography and many achievements are well documented in the media and on the Internet, so we won't repeat them all here. Always the consummate scientist with his feet on the ground and a great friend to us and to this show, which he always referred to as, quote, very thoughtful, Unquote. Stan translated on May 13, 2019, at the age of 84. So welcome to the 798th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, and this is our 12th year on the air. Uh, this is our special tribute in uh, memory of Stanton T. Friedman. And anybody who's been in the field uh, for, you know, field of the unexplained for any length of time has uh, their own Stan stories. Yeah, um, there were many Stan Friedman isms that we very much enjoyed and that he repeated on the show. I like uh, I like this one, which uh, pretty much defines his his attitude toward toward science and toward knowledge. Well, there it is. Stan was always, the, as I say, the consummate scientist. He uh, he never got um, carried away with any of these ideas. He was one of the, the original people who researched UFOs, and he was a nuclear physicist. He worked for 14 years in uh, the industry working on some secret government projects, and he was just um, um, the sort of person you want in this field and that there are all too few of. Um, he always, uh, still uh, always believed in sort of an, an alien presence of one fo- in one form or another, and uh, here's pretty much what he said about that. history, our present history, 
government's willing to cover things up. And, you know, I worked under security for 14 years, and I got a little tired of people telling me, government can't keep secrets, they couldn't keep uh, Watergate secret. Uh, but there have been a lot of other programs. There's a whole chapter in my book about the cosmic Watergate. This is in Flying Saucers and Science. Yeah. Where I go over a number of programs that indeed were covered up for decades. These are multi-billion dollar programs. I don't mean, you know, a little uh, six professors and 12 grad students. Uh, when I was working on nuclear airplanes way back in 1958 at General Electric Aircraft Nuclear Propulsion Department in just outside Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, we were spending $100 million that year. We had... 3,500 people working there full-time, 1,100 of them engineers and sciences. And that wasn't the biggest program around. But $100 million was a lot of money in 1958, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, our program was not a black program, but there have been black programs. I mean, I'm a big booster of Toyota, so it always makes me think of the Corona spy satellite. It's the first one that was successful uh, for the United States. And uh, it got more data on Soviet military installations than all the U-2 flights which had preceded it. First one was in 1960. There were a bunch more. There were 12 failures also in secret. There wasn't one public word uh, about Corona, the Corona spy satellite, until 1995. So... You know, there were two things that I agreed, or a lot of things I agreed with Stan about, uh, but particularly when it came to secrecy, I agreed that there should be things, there are things that should be kept secret, and, uh, you know, having rubbed elbows with intelligence work in the military myself, uh, not on a very high level, but nevertheless, you kind of pick up a few tips. Uh, but the second thing was that uh, the uh, you really can't keep a lot of see you you can keep secrets but you can't you can't some things are always going to leak out and what you do is to provide um, inaccurate information from accurate sources and vice versa and you keep people guessing because as i say everybody loves a mystery and so. you can just hide things in plain sight no one will ever know. Uh, uh, that's true as a matter of fact what one, one uh, in the part, part of the training i had the uh, the uh, instructor joked that this is the secret of invisibility it's not necessarily to be invisible. It's to be where you are not expected to be. People see what they expect to see. Mm. You know that was kind of a principle of human nature in the, in the uh, ocular world as well. So, I thought that was quite interesting. But um, uh, what were your impressions of Stan? Stan, I was I was really respected Stan, and he looks like a physicist. I'll just yes, I'll, I'll put it that way. I don't know why, but like you can look at somebody and point at them and just say that guy's a physicist. No, he was he was a really really humble guy and incredibly intelligent and probably like one of the most eloquent in the field and he he always he always he stuck to his guns in pretty much everything which yes. I, which I I really appreciated and you know he was he was always willing to consider consider other ideas and evidence and he was just he was just he was an intelligent guy and he he dealt with facts and he dealt with with statistics and everything that he he believed, he backed up with with the knowledge that he acquired over the years. Mm-hmm. I think one of the the tributes to his open mindedness was that um, I think when he first met us, we and we I remember first meeting Stan and and at the Exeter UFO Festival in 2010, 
It was 93 degrees in that town hall because there was no air conditioning. It was an old meeting hall. Oh, yeah, and he was uh, still in a shirt and there tie, was stands, full he, suit. He was, yeah, he was in a jacket and a tie the whole time. And they say he looked too happy about it, but <laughs> but uh, he had been on the show already, and we'd known him through that, but this was the first time we'd ever met him face-to-face. And he ended up, a few years later, writing the foreword for our, our 2016 book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know Is Wrong. <coughs> There was one thing, because I'd known of Stan ever since I was practically a kid, because he was on TV from the beginning of the interest in UFO uh, media, uh, sort of in the 70s. And uh, I was uh, looking forward, when he was on our show for the first time in 2008, to ask him a certain question. And um, I'll, we can review that right now. Stan, there's a problem that jumped way ahead, way ahead of you, because there's a question I've been dying to ask you for 30 years. And I'm not okay. kidding. In, in 1978, or thereabouts, you were interviewed by Fabrice Florin of the New Dimensions Foundation. Now, during that interview, you said eight words that I never forgot. Actually, I never forgot the whole interview, but uh, you were answering a question about what the aliens want, and that, that, that's another part of this question, too. And you said that for the first time in, quote, at least the past few thousand years, all right, seven words, maybe, we warlike humans are in a position to become the, you know, I guess you used the term, the Genghis Khans of the galactic neighborhood, uh, going out into space to bother everybody else. Uh, obviously, that says a lot about what the aliens want, and it also says something uh, about your beliefs that may coincide with a lot of people's, that we have gone, uh, when you say the last few thousand years, gone from, if you will, stone tools to power tools several times in our long Mostly empty yeah. history. Yeah. So what's the question? Okay. Uh, Do you? Am I right in that? Do you believe that we have? I uh, am, yeah, I'm convinced that one of. And if you look at the UFO why questions at www.stanfriedman.com, one of them is, you know, why come here? And I give over 20 reasons, and there are more than 20 in my book too. And there's a whole bunch from the sublime to the ridiculous. You know, this is the uh, honeymoon capital of this corner of the galaxy, or. <laughs> gas food lodging next exit or there it turns out the earth is the densest planet in the solar system that means there's more heavy metals here interesting things like gold uranium tungsten uranium osmium which have very special properties uh and if these guys are a lot older than we are they have fewer heavy metals because it takes a few supernovas and other things like that to make heavy metals you know we're made out of star stuff as Carl Sagan used to say uh so, uh, one of the reasons, I think, for coming here is based on my assumption that from their viewpoint, we're a primitive society whose major activity is tribal warfare. They're going to quarantine us. And I've asked a lot of people, if you were an alien, would you want us out there? And the answer is universally, no. We don't Well, there, there, I'll cut it off there, but, I mean, that is very profound. Uh, I had never heard him speak before of the... Uh, cyclical nature of human history we brought that up on the show I mean, everybody assumes almost everybody that, that we we start in the past move uh, in a linear way toward the future always getting better and better by which they mean more technology uh and then it's it sort of uh, progresses that way you know a couple of setbacks now and then but that does not seem to be how history is organized and stan uh, as you just heard agreed with that that um you know, we, we, we get to a certain point, and I, I don't, and you and I agree, Ben, that technology is not the measure of advancement, but everybody assumes that it is. 
you know, the, uh, they're way ahead of us, you know, whoever's uh, piloting the UFOs because they have better technology. Well, I'd rather, you know, they, they might be uh, technological giants, but uh, spiritual and moral morons. Mm. And I'd rather have the spiritual and tech, uh, the spiritual and, and moral giants and, and live in a hut, I mean, compared with some of these things that can happen. You know, the, uh, the, what we always um, compare it with is, uh, you know, who was the most technologically advanced nation in the 1930s, Nazi Germany. How'd that work out? You know, not super great. No, so so there you have it. So I think uh, there was a lot more to Stan's thinking than a lot of people realized. You know, it's uh, funny. I actually, I, I think I remember you having that specific interview where he first said that. Um, yeah, you on, were there. You were on, a little kid, but you were you were. Yeah, the you, had it, you had it on cassette tape, I think. Oh, good, and, good yes. And I remember I were, played it in our old van. Yes, when they still had cassette tape recorders. Yeah. Yes, that was I, the 1978 interview. I remember that, and yes. I remember we were we were coming home from Jonathan's tutoring session. That's Ben's older and brother. And you were John. you were playing that tape, and I remember the tribal warfare quote, and I was like, "Wow, that's really cool." But then, yeah. <laughs> but I was like six or seven, so it didn't really impact me that much. Well, you you stuck in your mind. I mean, it did, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was and it was just it was an interesting. It, it's I, I don't know I don't know why, but I, I remember that very specific quote, and I remember it being. There and I, it wasn't until I was a lot older that I made the connection. Like, oh, I listened to a cassette tape of this guy, like when I was when I was like a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, well, the th- one of the things when you're a speaker, uh, you um, you especially people like ourselves who speak uh, primarily in the north. I mean, we've been as far away as England and Ireland, or I have anyway. And, and you and I both in England in 2012, but generally in California, et cetera. But mostly we speak in the average year a lot in the Northeast. So you don't want to. Have, and a lot of people will come to your appearances because they they like your books or they like us, and you don't want to repeat yourself too often. Uh, but then again, but there there are so many quotes that are so good, uh, particularly from someone like Stan, that you don't mind hearing them again and again, because they're very profound, and, and they, they were uh, a tribute to his sharp mind mm. and his brilliant thinking. A lot of people don't realize that Stan uh, was a classmate of Carl Sagan's. Oh, at, really? At the University of Chicago, yep. Oh, yep. wow. Yeah. Huh. Learn something new every day. Yeah. And, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we have a quote from, uh, Kathy Martin. Uh, Kathleen Martin was a, a close associate of Stan's, uh, cooperated on several books. And unfortunately, she is, is at a thing today and could not call in live to the show. But we do have, uh, a quote from her, um, from a previous show when we, uh, she was talking about, uh, about Stan. And I think that, uh, we probably, wait a minute, I'm gonna make sure I get the right one here. Yeah, I always uh, gotta make sure you get your, got your, got your tracks lined up there. Yes. As our, our listeners know, Stan uh, T. Friedman, cer- certainly the father of modern uh, UFO studies, translated on uh, May 13th. And Kathy, you worked with him very closely um, for many, many years. So we can't begin uh, without you know getting your thoughts on, on losing such a towering figure. So how did you guys meet? Stan and I met through my aunt, Betty Hill. Uh, he was the scientist who was called upon to um, find other scientists who could vet the work of Marjorie Fish. And Marjorie Fish was a woman, a brilliant woman from Ohio. Uh, she belonged to Mensa, meaning she had a genius level IQ. Uh, she was a teacher. And she saw Betty's star map in the first book that was ever published about the case. And Stanton Friedman was called in by Lord Coral Lorenzen, 
who was the uh, director, co-director of the Aerial Phenomena Research Association, uh, organization. Uh, and Stanton uh, was able to find scientists to vet Marjorie's work, and he and Marjorie met with these scientists, and they determined that her work was accurate. And so this was a big deal. And then uh, Stanton set out to uh, defend that star map. He was the first person to publish an article um, about the star map and Marjorie's work. And he went on for many, many years uh, to debate uh, other scientists such as Carl Sagan, and who was a classmate of Stanton's at the University of Chicago and um, to, to have a debate to defend the star map, whereas Carl Sagan believed that anyone could throw marbles into a, into a pile of sand and come out with um, identical, uh, identifiable star systems. Wow. But there were certain properties to that star system, the constellation of stars that Marjorie uh, was able to identify. So I was at a MUFON symposium, Mutual UFO Network annual symposium in Denver, Colorado. And uh, I tried to approach Stanton uh, between lectures all day long. And I got, I walked up to his table and it was always surrounded by a, a semicircle of tall man, and I'm trying to be tall. He couldn't even see me, I couldn't get through, they were all engaged in lively conversation, and I almost gave up on that. In fact, I spoke to someone else about um, taking part in the book, and not Stanton. I was so frustrated. And finally, the end of the day, I tried one last attempt and sure enough, he was alone at the table packing up his last books. So I said, I have something I'd like to talk with you about. It's work that I've done on the Hill case. And, and he said, uh, have you had dinner yet? And I said, no, I haven't. He said, let's go into the restaurant and we'll talk about it. And so we did. And uh, at the end of our conversation, he said, I'm very interested particularly since I had Betty's entire collection, the whole archival collection, at my home, and I was setting up an archive for the University of New Hampshire, selecting what I wanted to go there as the trustee and executor of their estate. So I said Stanton could examine all of that, copy anything that he wanted to photocopy. And so finally... He said he was extremely interested and would like to come to my home. He came down and spent several days with us as we went through the entire collection. And uh, he read my manuscript. And in the end, he was very intrigued by everything. He told me that he would be willing to participate because he could see that I was being scientific and I was being unbiased being unbiased. Uh, we set out on this journey together, him in uh, New Brunswick, I in Stratham, New Hampshire at that time, and uh, communicated via email and phone calls, 
and um, he uh, kept reviewing my work. I'd send him one chapter at a time, and, and uh, he thought that it was remarkably accurate. He found one mistake, it was a misquote, and I was amazed that he actually saw I could dis differentiate what was uh, accurate from that one word that I misquoted. And uh, so he kept saying to me, you're doing a great job, continue writing, continue with the, you know, the second draft and everything that I was doing. And in the end, he ended up writing two chapters in that book, the two chapters on the star map, because he had just been so so tied up traveling, and he had a very heavy schedule at that time. He was much younger. And uh, so finally, uh, we finished our book together, and now it was time to publicize the book. So we started doing radio shows together. Sometimes we did on-camera interviews together and worked at conferences. We had shared vendor tables. Sometimes we even lectured on the same stage. And we found out that we worked very comfortably together. And I think the strong point was that he was a physical scientist and I was a social scientist. We were looking at this whole case from those perspectives, but it meshed very well together. And we did have a great time working together. The strong point was that he was a physical scientist and I was a social scientist. Well, there we have a lot of memories from uh, Kathy Martin, uh, who was uh, a dear friend of ours, has been on the show many times, and uh, is the, uh, a lot of people don't realize, is, is the niece of Betty and Barney Hill, uh, the subjects or victims, if you will, of the 1961 UFO abduction in New Hampshire, which was the first one uh, in American history to get uh, all sorts of, of uh, coverage by the media. So it was well known. Um, we do uh, encourage anyone. Uh, we we're hoping to have some more um, people come in. The second half of the show we're going to dedicate to uh, reader reader comments and uh, listener comments, I should say, and anyone who would like to call in. If you if you have some thoughts about Stanton Friedman, um, you're welcome to call us four zero one seven six six one two four zero from anywhere, or drop us an email at um, paul at behindtheparanormal dot com. So. A couple of other points I wanted to make here. Uh, Stan uh, kind of really liked our show. I don't mean to talk about ourselves, but because we're honoring him. But he um, he spent three of his birthdays within a day or two with us on the show. <laughs> we always have, uh, wish him happy birthday. But he was um, very prominent in the media from an early period. Uh, I remember uh, the, uh, the the times I've been on the history, except for one. The times I've been on the History Channel have actually been about history. But every production company I would work with, uh, they knew Stan. The producer knew Stan, and, and they really liked him, and, and they'd tell stories about how pleasant he was to work with. Um, sort of the, the pleasant nature of his personality was something that uh, that we uh, we always enjoyed. And I remember that his, his final um, year that he appeared at the Exeter UFO Festival in New Hampshire, uh, we, he was... Um, He'd had a heart attack, 
but he said it was a they didn't even have to operate they had um, just put in some stance but he had lost some weight and he would ride back and forth to the venue with us from the hotel uh where the, the promoters had had put us for the uh the week uh and weekend there and uh he was always most most pleasant about that but he said he um couldn't go to the gym anymore but he felt he felt much better and and uh, everyone thought he'd be doing well and he did for a while but then last year uh he announced his retirement and uh we were all rather surprised uh and he said that he you know he'd kind of done a lot and and he would um uh enjoy a little bit of quiet time however it was not long like within a few weeks uh, we were hearing that he was bored and uh he wanted to uh go back into uh the UFO uh, work he'd been retired from nuclear physics for a long time and um he always as a matter of fact he always would um uh was always very honest about his academic background. There are a lot of people in this field who get fake degrees and they call themselves doctor or reverend or something. He was nowhere near that. He had a master's degree and and worked in the field uh, in of nuclear physics. That's what his uh, advanced degree was in. But he did not have a doctorate. And he always I, I would hear people refer to him as Doctor Friedman, and he would always say, "No, it's Mister Friedman." So he never claimed to be anything he wasn't, which in a way made him greater than a lot of people. Uh, who actually do have doctoral degrees, I think, in some cases. I mean, they, they, sometimes, it, you know, not to be disrespectful, but sometimes it means they went to school, and that was pretty much about it. But Stanton um, came out of retirement, and he uh, he translated, as we say, uh, rather than passed away, at uh, the uh, Pearson International Airport in Toronto on his way back to New, New Brunswick, Canada, where he lived, from Ohio, where he did he had gotten back into the fray and was doing a conference. So um, that that's when that happened in May. So let's uh, take our break. And you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM, 99.3 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley. We're doing a tribute to Stanton Friedman today, and we'll be right back. Are you tired of the same old dishing and depressing chatter in the morning radio? Then don't get down. Get up with me, Dave Richards, from 5 to 8 a.m. each weekday. On the Road with Joe, fun, the trivia quiz, and interesting stories, and your favorite tunes by your request. Don't get down. Get up with Dave. Weekday mornings only on ON, AM, and FM. Okay, we're back already. And uh, we're, we're rendering tribute uh, to the memory of our, our good friend Stanton Friedman. We wish we'd known him better and were able to spend more time with him than we did, but um, we had a, a great re- relationship and we're just uh, uh, welcoming anyone who has thoughts about Stanton today. Now, we have some uh, communications from listeners here, and why don't we start with um, our faithful listener, Peter, from South America, and uh, then Peter has some thoughts on Stanton Friedman. Sure. So, Peter writes to us, uh, The passing of Stanton, T- Stanton Friedman uh, was very sad. We lost a real superhero. So I have a couple of questions. Uh, I have read that Stanton never had a personal UFO sighting. Is that true? Uh, actually, yeah, he, he talked about that. He said, at least the last time it came up in conversation, he said uh, he had never had a personal UFO sighting because that, that's one of the questions we always ask people. You know, who are experts in this or that paranormal field? What 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 have your experiences been? He said the closest he came was one time, and it was in New Hampshire, and he was lecturing in New Hampshire, and he he said that, that people ran into the room after the lecture was finished and said, "Oh, there's something weird in the sky outside." But he, by the time he got outside, it was uh, it was uh, it was gone. 
So um, at least the, as, the last we heard from him, he had not had uh, a sighting. I think he would have mentioned it if he did uh, subsequent to that. I think he would have liked to have been in Pennsylvania with us at the end of May with our gang from uh, the show here and our associates uh, who were uh, um, experiencing an amazing UFO sighting that we got on video. And uh, we have not released that yet. We're, we're kind of sitting on it in pending uh, analysis by uh, photo and video experts. But, I mean, we, it was right there in front of us uh, in the sky. So, uh, And we did get it. But we'll, more about that later. So... Um, we uh we if you do want to see the video it was uh, on our May 26th show uh, the uh, video feed the TV feed uh, is available online at behindtheparanormal.com which uh, has been the subject of a, of a serious cyber attack and we're gradually restoring shows we've only got 3 years out of 12 up yet but we're they're gradually being restored so you can see that video May 26th uh, 2019 uh, in the 2019 shows uh, page of the archive. So you can see that toward the beginning. It was a two-hour special. Uh, ben was here uh, manning the Ford in the studio, and we were in Pennsylvania, the rest of us, and quite the, quite the experiences we had. So in any case, uh, why don't we see what... Um, I, I don't know of any actual sighting that Stan had to answer Peter's question, Ben. Okay, so there is more to his questions. Uh, so perhaps someone knows if he uh, if he really had a UFO encounter and the details. Which yeah. so did did Stanton have any unpublished UFO work that is yet to be released? I don't know. Uh, did you know anything about? That? I know nothing. About okay, uh, there he had said that there were a few things he was thinking about um but i i just i was not privy to the information so i'm afraid i'll have to answer no to that um okay we have another one from this is from uh phil from orange massachusetts and it's rather lengthy but uh phil always writes very articulate questions and uh we can take it slowly Alrighty. so phil writes to us uh, knowing that you have a tribute uh, to Stan Friedman in the works uh, for the 23rd, I thought I would send in my two cents of input uh, for you to ignore or consider. Uh, my inspirations for the input are two in number. The first uh, was the most recent episode of Ancient Aliens, which focused on a transuranic element uh, known as uh, Muscovium. Like yes, it's, that's like, the uh, was it the 118th element, 115th. Weird. Uh, I'm assuming it has something to do with Russia. Yes. Uh, it was it was discovered in and in, in Moscow and oh, it was uh, sense, or, yeah. or synthesized. I, I believe it's a. I'm not. I'm no chemist. Oh, I don't want to speculate. Interesting. But some of the elements uh, elements in the periodic table initially the elements were, were uh, unique molecular structures in uh, heavy metals or whatever they might have been that could sort of stand on their own in the realm of chemistry. As opposed to, like, anything <clears throat> carbon-based where you could make polymers and basically create new elements. Yeah, and, and, and again, I don't want to speculate, but uh, I, I know that there some have been synthesized. Since so, so muscovium uh, is one that uh, supposedly could create very, very cl- clean um, nuclear energy and possibly much safer nuclear energy than uranium could. Mm. And uh, it's been speculated that, well, I, maybe, I, I haven't read this entirely, maybe uh, Phil will explain it. Yeah, yeah, looks like he, he actually does. Uh, so the second uh, was a piece of narrative from uh, Left at East Gate, which I, I know has been igniting fierce ad hominem. Uh, okay, if I may, uh, Left at East Gate was the was the book written co-written by 
the Larry Warren, who was the whistleblower of the Rendlesham Forest case of 1980. We, we've done, it's funny, yesterday I spent the whole day uploading to podcast shows uh, the, the uh, 16 hours of interviews we did in 2010 to 2011 on that. Larry was there, and also Peter Robbins was his co-author. And uh, the controversy has arisen. Uh, a lot of people say it wasn't there, and it was all whatever. Uh, it was, it's a mess. So that, that's the book, Left at Eastgate. Alrighty, so back to Phil. Uh, he continues with, uh, back to Muscovium. Uh, in 1989, as you know, uh, Nevada journalist uh, George Knapp hosted a TV show on Bob Lazar and his incredible claims about an ultra-secret base known as Area 51 and the fuel, element 115, used in UFO engines, quote-unquote. Uh, ten years later, the government was forced to admit that the base existed. Then, in 2015, element 115 was officially added to the periodic table as Muscovium. Oh, it is 115, okay. Uh, following its earlier synthesis by a team, yeah, it's synthesized, right. uh, in, or its earlier synthesis by a team of U.S. and Russian physicists, uh, so... Like it or not, uh, some of Lazar's assertions have been proven, uh, or partially proven. Uh, not the outcome you would expect for someone vilified by Friedman as a charlatan. The fulcrum uh, for his assertion was the absence of employment and academic records, uh, which isn't entirely true. Lazar has shown a W-2, or, uh, or a pay stub, and indicated that he worked at the base, and as his academic records, uh, and as for his academic records, Friedman argues that their absence uh, from is the smoking gun. Uh, but in Left at East Gate, he left at East Gate Larry Warren, uh, when he tried to re-enlist into the Air Force, learned as far as the Air Force was concerned he had never been in the Air Force because there, was, there wasn't any record of his service. Would Friedman dismiss that revelation? If not, why was he so quick to brand Lazar as a shameless liar? Uh, coming from someone who had in had to endure much of the same innuendo from the vile debunker Philip Klass, uh, the uh, virulence, yeah, the virulence of his attacks um, against Lazar was strange. Uh, having said all that, I would rank Friedman second only to uh, Van Daniken in the pantheon of modern ufologists. Uh, so I certainly agree that he richly deserves a tribute, but I don't think a hagiography is warranted. Uh, <laughs> because uh, because two of Lazar's assertions have become pillars of the ufology temple, quote unquote. So if uh, so, since you will uh, have the some esteemed guests on your show, I hope you'll ask for their opinion on Friedman's fraud or F- Friedman's feud, I should say, uh, with Lazar, along uh, with the value of Lazar's revelations. And that's my two cents of input, Phil. <laughs> Interesting. Well, uh, for those who do not know their Greek, uh, hagiography would refer to uh, Sam being included among the saints. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know if... Well, for, I'm a little surprised. Uh, Van Daniken, uh, Van Daniken is... Um, Eric Van Daniken, a Swiss uh, fellow who was uh, often derided as a hotel keeper, which was his profession in the hospitality industry. But he, he was the one who in the late... Or in the mid '60s, actually uh, came to the idea that uh, a lot of the ancient gods may very well have been aliens, and he, he uh, rightly pointed to a number of telltale artworks from ancient times that look like um, spaceships and aliens and sort of thing. And you know, they may or may not have been, uh, but uh, that's who that is. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, I've never really thought of Stan uh, in that same category. Uh, uh, you know, I just, I, I guess Van Dyke is. Probably more more like me, I think, because um, I, I just 
look back at personal experiences, and a lot of my books are just personal experiences, and I, I kind of call them as I see them, and I said, this is what I think this was, and judge for yourself. But Stan, again, firmly planted in science. The uh, the idea of Muscovium as a possible uh, fuel uh, or power source for nuts and bolts UFOs was something that was promoted by uh, this Bob Lazar, <coughs> who is a resident of Nevada, uh, has consistently refused to come on this show which is very odd. Usually they like to be with us and we have some fun and uh, the, the people think we ask good questions. But Lazar never has... Uh, the excuse last time was, well, he's kind of pulling back. Well, he's back on TV. And uh, I don't know him. I don't know... You know, I can't say... It was like, if you're not there, then reserve judgment. in many Unless, unless someone's claims are so zany that they, they just don't hold up at all. But... Uh, Lazar has um, claimed to work at Area 51, uh, uh, involved in uh, back engineering, as it's a reverse engineering, as it's called, of a spacecraft. I mean, he, he referred to it as the sport model, which was kind of, I guess, a small flying saucer type craft that uh, was being researched there. It had been uh, captured by the government there. And you know, I take I take a lot of this stuff with with a grain of salt. I mean, I've been. Uh, outside Area 51, had been chased for it, and it wasn't even anywhere near the, the perimeter. And uh, there were a lot of government vehicles coming and going in the, in the middle of the Nevada desert. And I just got the impression that very often the UFO stories about Area 51 may be cover-ups or partial cover-ups for uh, secret aircraft research. Because uh, I, I learned in the military that pretty much uh, the technology that we have, the military technology that we have, is probably about 10 years of ahead of what the public knows. One of the most remarkable achievements uh, of the U.S. Uh, military in the 1960s was the SR-71 aircraft, uh, flying at ludicrous altitudes, at tremendous speeds, and it looked really weird. And uh, it was used, uh, the, the technology is, is still in use more or less uh, today, and, and that's that's how far forward thinking that was. Of course, that that, that, that prompted immediate speculation that uh, alien technology had been used, and maybe it was. Uh, but the whole Area 51 thing is rather a muddle, and that's the way they like it. But Bob Lazar uh, came out and just made, made these these uh, claims that he was working on this, and he may be right. He Maybe he did, because certain people, um, are remember we said toward the beginning of the show, Ben, that releasing accurate information from inaccurate sources is uh, one of the ways that they keep the the, the mystery going and keep uh, speculation running and this sort of thing. So uh, I had one conversation with Stanton, uh, wasn't a very long one, but we were it was over dinner one time, and he was uh, talking about Bob Lazar. Because I specifically asked him, because Bob had, had refused, refused to come on the show uh, just previous uh, to that. And Stan said, well, you know, it was uh, his objections very often were scientific and circumstantial. Um, he got it about possible uh, craft being kept at, at uh, Area 51, but he was uh, curious and, and uh, a bit skeptical about Bob himself. Okay, um, he said he didn't have the uh, academic background to do what he said he did, and this sort of thing just made Stan suspicious. And uh, he eventually ended up calling him a liar, as as uh, uh, our correspondent uh, Phil points out. So th- that's uh, all I ever heard from Stan on that. Um, 
I, I reserve judgment myself because I don't know. I don't have the scientific background. Stan had my my, my degree is in philosophy, and uh, so that's about all all we had on that. Now, I, um, there are other people who um, were critical of, of Stan. That this Phil Class, uh, whom Phil refers to in his note, was. Um, Quite the the character. I mean, I actually heard him say there was absolutely no evidence for UFOs, uh, for flying saucers or alien presence or anything of this kind. And Phil Class was uh, at this point enough is known about him to to suspect strongly that he was on the payroll of some government agency and was the an accurate source from which inaccurate information could be leaked and then be believed by the media. So, but uh, everybody's passed away now except us and Phil and Bob Lazar so this, I suppose speculation is uh, rampant I, Eric Van Daniken is still with us never had him on the show though I mean, maybe we ought to get him on so um, there we have th- that's the best answer I can render to that um, and Ben I don't, I don't you weren't involved in any of those conversations so maybe no 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 yeah, those are the years you couldn't participate in that particular event so there we have it um, there is um, but I, I would like to concentrate too on Stan's wonderful Personality, and there is another uh, quote, and I think that um, uh, Kathy Martin puts it very well uh, here. If I can uh, get it going here, and uh, about how j- just what a wonderful person Stan was to work with. So I, I have to. I think Ben and I both really enjoyed his presence. Uh, great sense of humor. The, the kind of sense of humor that indicates great intelligence. You know, uh, this is sort of a zany kind of guy, and and just uh, but always, always feet on the ground. Uh, we never. Now, your brother and I were in Fredericton in the years, but we never went to his house. We didn't really know him then. But uh, for, he uh, was born in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And he ended up marrying a Canadian lass and, and uh, ended up in New Brunswick, which is um, a, a just, uh, people don't know where it is. It's just uh, north of Maine, uh, north uh, east of Maine, uh, between Nova Scotia and Quebec. And it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful province. I remember we used to go up there. Your mother never wanted to come with us because it was always so, she thought it was cold. But we had our Winnebago and we'd go up and uh, we'd camp out and we had uh, so much uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, fun in, in New Brunswick. But uh, there there we sort of had it. But uh, as far as uh, Stanton's legacy is concerned, I think that uh, with his books, you can see uh, some of them um, in our in our shots of, of uh, Stan's portrait there. Uh, he will be, he was unique. He will be missed and he will really never die, I think, as far as as uh, certainly we're concerned and uh, as far as the UFO community is concerned. Because I say, as I say, to have someone firmly rooted in science uh, who has dedicated really their lives to this field is almost unheard of. And someone of his caliber who got the word out and who brought, um, he, I think he really brought credibility to a field which is very easy uh, to, in which it's very easy to lose credibility. So, uh, Ben, further thoughts? Uh, no, I think you're, you're, you're pretty much, uh, hitting the nail on the head there. I, I think Stan was, he was a very simple guy. And not like, you know, like, oh, he's a simpleton. Like, he, he was a, he was just very, very simple, very yeah, calm. Down to earth. Yeah. Very, yeah. He was just, yeah. You know, <laughs> a down to earth, very kind of an ironic way to put to do, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, he, he was uh, 
He's just a good guy. He's really good. He well, like, as I as I w- was telling you yesterday, uh, I I've been reviewing the 2010 and 2011 shows, which we did the the return to Rendlesham series with major eyewitnesses, and we had some some heavyweight co-hosts. Uh, at one point, one show, you, you had just started college, and you couldn't do the show, and, and Nick Pope sat in for you as the co-host on the show. Yeah, hey, I think I was on a, on a set that weekend. Yeah, yeah, or whatever was happening, you, you, couldn't, uh, you couldn't be on this show. So uh, Nick Pope, of course, being uh, another uh, sort of um, person in, in the UFO field who was very highly thought of and controversial, but uh, very, very much out there in the media. Uh, he was a, the uh, head of the UFO desk at the British Ministry of Defense. Uh, for a number of years, and uh, we, in our Rendlesham series, he co-hosted one of the shows. Also, uh, Stan, uh, Stanton Friedman co-hosted one of the shows. Uh, there was the one after that uh, with you and I. Yes. Uh, at this, um, or I'm, I'm not using my preposition part with you and me. Uh, proper, uh, take the objective case. Yes, please. Uh, anyway, uh, so it, it was. Um, that, we're gonna we're gonna get those up so people can hear them. Um, one of the uh, podcast uh, hosting services that we uh, that has uh, that that uh, you might be listening on it right now. Um, the uh, paranormal app said, "Well, you know, they were they're having a problem with uh, two different podcasts from the same show, but we're, we're, we'll get it out there, uh, and it is uh, and it will be on our uh, site once we get it um, uh, revived fully and all the shows restored because there are." Uh, like 850 shows that we have to restore, and there has to be on two or three at a time uh, for a lot of technical reasons. So, um, But we'll, we'll certainly check that out. But I'd forgotten that Stan had done that with us, and uh, again, a great friend of the show, and he will be uh, certainly, as they say, sorely missed uh, in the UFO community. Um, we were kind of disappointed. We were, we were hoping to have um, a few of his associates call in today, but uh, we we will uh <coughs> excuse me bring them uh the comments to you as we uh, as we go uh, uh through the the next uh, few months here sure so okay so well why don't we um mosey on and uh, take a leisurely stroll through our announcements oh well, that's the first time i've ever used the word leisurely yeah right so uh, announcements but again thank you for those who wrote in questions and uh we'll um uh continue to understand whatever way we can Indeed. Okay. So uh, most of our show website, as we mentioned, BehindTheParanormal.com, is back up and running after being down for a week because of this uh, cyber attack. Now, it's been up now for two weeks. The cyber attack came at the end of May when we attempted to upload still photographs from the UFO sighting we videoed in Pennsylvania. Now, is that a coincidence? Maybe. Uh, but maybe not. So, uh, and we had a few false starts, but it, it's being uploaded there again. And we are expanding into the realm of podcasts with the kind permission of our um, uh, station manager here, who uh, at WON, who uh, said we can um, upload podcasts to the um, uh, paranormal app that, that has asked for it. So that'll be good. So anyway, uh, we're gradually restoring those. Alrighty. So one month from today, on Tuesday. The uh, the the 16th of July, my dad and hopefully me uh, will be at the Litchfield Public Library in Litchfield. Uh, Linfield. Sorry, oh, sorry, Litchfield. Yeah, we're so used to Litchfield. Yeah, Connecticut. So yeah. Linfield Public Library in Linfield, Massachusetts, uh, to speak about UFOs, uh, mostly local cases. Uh, that will be at uh, 6:30 p.m. Details on the uh, public events uh, page at uh, behindtheparanormal.com, which we are updating pretty frequently nowadays. 
Okay, on Tuesday, August 6th at 7 p.m., um, I will be at the Nashville Public Library in New Hampshire. Uh, <clears throat> ben will keep us on edge. Any of these things he can get to, he'll get to. Uh, anyway, Nashville, New Hampshire, to present a program entitled Extreme UFO Counters in New Hampshire and Beyond. And right after that, on Saturday, August 17th, uh, 2 p.m., uh, my dad and myself will be at the Haverhill Public Library uh, in Haverhill, Massachusetts, to present on Extreme UFO Encounters in Massachusetts and Beyond. So my book, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeists, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God, will be released on August 28th, and will be in stores after that, maybe maybe a little before that, I don't know. And we'll feature certainly at our fall events. It's available for pre-order now on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and other online retailers. The official release event will take place with our good friends at the Toadstool Bookshop in Keene, New Hampshire, on Saturday, September 21st, beginning at 2 p.m. Uh, we're giving it plenty of time to get to stores and, and to get it before we, you know, to have the official release uh, party, which will be there at Toadstool. Uh, Gotta love Keene. Keen's a lot of fun. It is, it is, and Toadstool Bookshop is very popular. But there, there are three of them, and they really get the word. I, I couldn't couldn't believe the crowd we had last time we were there. Oh yeah, it was nuts for our, our book behind the paranormal. Everything you know is wrong in 2016. It was a lot of fun, uh, and we're known in that area anyway. Uh, we are named persons because mm-hmm. of the UFO conferences we speak at up there. Indeed, so. but before that, we will be at the 2019. Exeter UFO Festival, speaking of, uh, where we will speak for the eighth year in a row, as well as do our fourth annual live broadcast from the show with a panel of the speakers on Sunday, September 1st, uh, from the historic Exeter, New Hampshire Town Hall. Uh, This great event is sponsored by the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club and benefits local children's charities. Uh, that's where we uh, stand. We were with Stan in 2010, and it was 93 degrees, and he was in the jacket and tie anyway. It was really hot. It was amazing, yeah. So anyway, uh, other events this fall will take place at the Book Club Bookstore in South Windsor, Connecticut, Book Lovers Gourmet in Webster, Mass., and the Blackstone Public Library, both right here in our home listening area. And, of course, the uh, Greater New England uh, UFO Conference in Lemonster, Massachusetts, on Columbus Day weekend. Now, there will be a first at this event, I found out. Um, the um, I, I've been told that I will be the MC for that to honor... 50 years of work in the paranormal. Ah. Um, I, I, I believe that's the reason. Um, actually, which is actually um, rather a, an honor. I'm, I'm very pleased to have heard that. Uh, also, uh, Calvin Parker, one of the uh, eyewitnesses and, and victims or, or subjects of the Pascagoula uh, UFO abductions uh, in the 1960s, w- will be there as a speaker. Mm. Uh, he's been on the show. He's just a lovely person, a uh, real gentleman, and we look forward to meeting him in person at the Greater New England UFO Conference this year. It should be terrific. Lemonster, Massachusetts, Columbus Day weekend. Uh, and then, of course, in October, we'll be at the uh, Mount Hope Farm in Bristol, Rhode Island, at the invitation of the people there. And uh, we'll next April already is already being planned, and that'll be we'll be back at the New England Parafest in Kittery, Maine, and more te- more details on that as we go. Hopefully, it does not fall on my anniversary again. Oh, I know. Uh, so, Jeez. So get it, get our books. Oh no, it's the third and fourth. Oh, it's the third and fourth. Yes. Good, excellent. So it's so it will not be a joke because it's not April Fools. <laughs> uh, so get our books, including Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know Is Wrong, and Behind the Paranormal Two: Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You've Never Heard Of. They're available from online retailers and in some stores. But for autograph copies, please visit the online bookstore at Behind the Paranormal. 
gmail.com. And I believe, is that back up? That is back up okay, and running. So, yes. so it's back yeah. online. All right, Most of the pages are back up. Um, it's, it's the, the shows that we're restoring from over the years that, that are taking a long time. Um, and then um, the charity page is there. Everything's pretty much there. Uh, our bio page and, you know, and that sort of thing. But there are um, a few things we want to add. Um, and, we, and we want to redesign NewEnglandGhosts.com as well so but that's all in, in the near future uh, anyway also with that site you can find out more about the show our many cases over the years our public appearances and how to book us and you'll find uh, nearly 850 well you will once they're restored 850 free recorded shows um, from our 11 plus years on the air including our four and a half year run on cbs radio along with special shows and podcasts so tell us about the, uh, the this this new podcasting thing that we have going on. Yeah, um, we um, have uh, figured out the mysteries of the RSS feed, which took uh, a while. And uh, now that we have that set up on a separate hosting platform, uh, they can go out, and we you know made sure that we're all set on the rights from our, our wonderful station owner here. And he said, you know, go ahead uh, for the uh, the. Um, uh, TuneIn.com, on which many people are probably listening to the show right now. And uh, if you go to TuneIn.com, they have uh, the shows that are live. And you might not see us in there on the main page uh, unless we're... Uh, oh, oh, no, you will see WON because it, it carries WON 24-7. Um, but the Paranormal Radio app on TalkStream Live uh, will have us there when it carries the signal of the just just our show doesn't carry the whole station. Okay. But if you look uh, under listen uh, in the upper menu bar, you'll you'll see podcasts, and you can go and they we're gradually uploading those as well. There are uh, eighty shows I think upload. That's about one tenth of the ones we have to upload. Wow. Uh, not just from here at uh, WON, uh, but also from CBS Radio and uh, and uh, Achieve Radio, which was where we started in uh, tw- 2008 in Phoenix. So um, we'll keep you posted as we go, and uh, you can always find out from our uh, uh, Facebook pages what's going on, um, and that's uh, Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno Facebook, or my page, Paul Eno or Benny, so there's, there are always ways to find things out. Indeed. Okay, so um, uh, we also uh, pre- uh, ex- express uh, enthusiasm, enthusiasm about our charity page as well. Indeed, so there are links to several charities that we have adopted uh, on the show over the years, which include USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, uh, Helping Haiti's Orphans, uh, Youth Mentoring Connection in uh, Los Angeles, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, and the Sisterhood of Ground Zero. Yeah, that, that, the latter one is, um, that issue has been in the news lately. We've got uh, a lot of people who are, are not receiving even PTSD care who were first responders or even even post-first responders at the uh, 9-11 Ground Zero uh, on that terrible day in, in uh, 2001. So um, as a result, uh, we ask you to go to that page and support these groups if you can. We, we know these people. We, we know that they're good charities. Um, and we actually know where, where, where you're donations are going exactly so ben what's uh, coming up for next week so next week uh, june 30th uh, we will welcome journalist turned professor and paranormal researcher jason offit offit yeah that's what i thought Uh, jason offit for a discussion of chasing american monsters and we leave you this afternoon with a thought from none other than stanton t friedman It's clear from the opinion polls and my own experience that indeed most people accept the notion that some UFOs are alien spacecraft. The greater the education, the more likely to accept this proposition. 
Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. We, right. still have, we still have a couple seconds. Okay. So, um, again, uh, honor uh, to the memory of Stanton Friedman. Check out his books. Uh, we'll have uh, the shows up on our website as soon as we can that we have had with him, and uh, and there we have it. So, I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.